Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Cherry Hills Church Podcast. My name is Jenny Elliott, and I'm joined by Luke Martin. This podcast series is all about prayer based on questions you are asking. If you have a question about prayer you want to submit to us, you can visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org slash God and send us a question. Our goal in the series is simply to have a conversation around the questions that we have about prayer so we can practice this better. So the first question we're addressing today has to do with speaking in tongues. And it was only a matter of time before we got to this question about tongues, because if you're talking about prayer, you've got to talk about praying in tongues at some point. So the question is, is praying in tongues an accepted practice at Cherry Hills? What is our church view or belief about it? It's an important part of my prayer life since I was a teen, a personal prayer language. Have there been sermons or teachings about it by Cherry Hills pastors? Well, I'm so thankful that the listener asked this question. Although we don't practice this in our corporate gatherings, I mean, we don't, we don't have this kind of call and response thing happening corporately in our gatherings. I know people in our church family that have this gift. In honesty here, I've often envied these friends and have asked God for this gift myself, which he has not yet given to me, by the way. We do not teach that this particular gift is salvific, meaning um, it's, it means that you have salvation if you have this gift, as some denominations do. Um, some denominations would say that speaking in tongues is the primary evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, meaning that when you become a believer and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, that this will happen every time. We don't believe that this is what the Bible says. We do, however, teach that it is one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given as outlined in the scriptures. Steve preached an incredible message on 1 Corinthians 14, addressing tongues and prophecy. And I would encourage you to check that out. If you want to look it up, it was on October 21st, 2018. Yeah. And not only uh, in our church, but there's also a significant portion of the global church that routinely practices this. So similarly to you, Jenny, I've asked God about this in my own prayer life. Uh, I've attempted to pray this way, sort of awkwardly, ignorantly. I was not raised in a faith tradition where I ever encountered this. Uh, so it's not a part of my regular prayer practice. That said, I, I appreciate the beauty and the meaningfulness of the practice in many believers' lives. Uh, it's not uncommon for practices like this to be divisive for churches. And part of what I love about Cherry Hills is the unity that we have, despite some diversity within theology and practice. Uh, I would consider that a mark of a really healthy culture. So we've got some folks from a lot of different backgrounds and faith traditions within the global ancient church. And, you know, as Paul says, love is the most excellent sign of the spirit that there is. Amen to that. I do also love this about our Cherry Hills family. I think we learn more about God um, and the diversity that we have in our body. And so I'm thankful, so thankful um, for all of our brothers and sisters that do have this gift and have brought this gift into their prayer lives and into our church family. Mm -hmm. So our next question today is, I often have a wonderful time of connection with God in the mornings. It's refreshing and encouraging for the day ahead. However, I find that as I go throughout my day, I forget that connection and get caught up in worry, a dispute, or just going through the motions with daily tasks. What are some practices to help us stay in sync with God throughout our whole day? Uh, a couple of thoughts. So if you're looking for more prayer in your daily routine, there's a very old practice in the church called the divine hours uh, or liturgical hours, divine office has a few different names, but it's essentially just marking out specific times of prayer throughout the day. So rather than just one in the morning, you know, which is what uh, probably most of us do. Uh, so having a full prayer time seven times a day is, probably pretty challenging for most people's schedule. I know I couldn't sustain that with my current season of life, way of life. 
Uh, but you can do simpler, modified versions of this. So including a short prayer time and a lunch break, praying before bed. Uh, there's a prayer book I recently picked up on this called The Divine Hours. It's by uh, Phyllis Tickle. And it's a prayer book uh, or, or breviary like that that may be helpful for you. And the other resource I'd mention is if you go to prayercourse.org slash toolshed, you'll find a bunch of resources on prayer that accompany the book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, which has been sort of a template for our current teaching series on prayer in our church. Uh, and there's an instruction there on practicing the presence of God, which comes from a monk called Brother Lawrence, who focused his life on just being consciously attentive to God at all times. So looking into practicing the presence of God may be something that you'd enjoy. I absolutely love Brother Lawrence's perspective and book. So I agree. Totally check that out. But before we go any further, Luke, what's a breviary? Uh, that's that's a um, liturgical word. It just means a prayer book. A book of, of prayers typically for the divine office. Perfect. I always learn something new. Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to this question. Um, who hasn't been here, right? We start our day out beautifully and then we just take off and trek through our day as if, you know, we never had that, that time with the Lord. Um, I can certainly relate to this, but I'm always going to go back and default to relationship on a question like this. How are you nurturing your time with the Lord in the morning? Are you accomplishing a lot? Are you allowing God to speak to you through silence and stillness as you listen to him? I can speak for myself and many friends I know that it's so easy to get caught up in accomplishing, even in our time with the Lord in the morning. We need to have a certain amount of text studied, our prayer list fully prayed for, fill in the blank, right? Even this can become a trap from the enemy. Over the years, my time with the Lord in the morning has shifted to involve much more stillness and listening as I spend time to, with him. And this sets me up for a day with him. It's nuanced, but do you know what I'm saying, Luke? Yeah, yeah. I think I hear you saying that, you know, some people are more wired for accomplishing, right? So certain dimensions of prayer may pose an extra challenge, may feel like uh, what's sometimes been called an upstream practice, swimming against, against the current of what feels natural to you. But there's still a priority to just being with Jesus, yeah? Absolutely. I think it's that proverbial to-do list that we bring into our time with God that I would just love for everyone to just tear up and throw away. <laughs> um, at what we need to just learn to be with him. Which again, back to your reference about Brother Lawrence, that's, that's what he exemplified was this being with Jesus every day through the mm -hmm. mundane, whatever he was doing. And I think cultivating a prayer life like that is really cultivating a life like that. And that can get us past just that morning high um, and can become part of our, our life all day. Yeah. Um, some practical strategies that I would share are um, first, this new app called the pause app. Have you seen this Luke? I've not actually. Okay. Well, this handy app was produced by John Eldridge and it's a really short, it allows you to do really short pauses throughout your day. And you have to like work your way up to doing longer pauses. He makes you start with the baby step of just doing 60 <laughs> seconds. And then I think there's a three minute and a 10 minute, but it really kind of allows you to listen to some music and pause and breathe and um, state this question, everyone and everything I give to you. And so you can set up reminders um, for when you want to do this throughout your day. But I just thought that's a great, idea for those of us that are just on the go that need a little, a little break. It's a free app, the pause app. Um, and then second, this is trickier, but another strategy, um, before you go to another person with a burden or concern. So think friend, spouse, coworker, ask yourself, have you gone to God with that first? 
this is part of that relationship building I was talking about earlier, but he wants to be invited into all these moments of our lives, especially the ones where we're confused or frustrated. Um, he, he stands ready for us. We just have to take that invitation to come. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check out the app. That's new for me. Um, okay. Here's the next question. How do I pray for my spouse who is against Christianity? This is such a difficult question that I have so much compassion for. Um, I've heard this from countless women over the years, and I know it applies to men as well. And I know it can just be really difficult. Um, but because I'm a woman, I'm going to approach the answer from that vantage point. First Peter three, one and two is a go-to for me on this topic. Wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over by the words and behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. People most often camp out on that submit word in this verse, but the back half is so rich and the verse is following. You should go read it. Seriously, First Peter 3, go read it. But the picture painted here of this woman is true beauty and I think is so inspiring. Verse two, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Wow, this is worth pursuing. Um, many years ago, like decades ago, I read a book called Storm by Stormy. Omar, I don't really even know how to say her last name, but I think it's like Omar, Omartian or Omardian. Yeah, I'll go with that. that okay, <laughs> but it's called The Power of a Praying Wife. Have any of you ever actually figured out how to pronounce her name? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the book had a chapter for each area of your husband's life that you could pray over each day. And one thing for each topic for the day of the month. And what I remember most was chapter number one. It was called His Wife. And although I can't remember the exact words, it was basically this idea of submit yourself, yourself first to God, no matter who you're married to, believer or unbeliever. We need to take the posture daily of submission to God in our own lives to be conformed to his image. And the more we do that, the more we can pray for our spouse from a posture of love, no matter the temperature of love in our homes. We can always choose to submit ourselves to God. We can't always control the outcome, but we can let him control us. And that is where we can start and just restart each day. That's fantastic. So I have very little to add to that. Uh, I'll just say that, you know, one of the hardest and most essential lessons for any leader to learn is how to maintain your own healthy presence, right? So the climate of anxiety that the situation produces will threaten your ability to function at your most mature and integrated capacity. So uh, a focus on your own emotional health, your own presence, as opposed to uh, technique and strategy for changing others, that'll help you function in a healthier way and make your way of life more desirable to your spouse. Absolutely. Okay, so we have time for one more question, Luke. When in private, is it more biblical to pray out loud or silently? So the phrase more biblical here, um, probably worth considering what this means. So in the Bible, there are prescriptive realities and there are descriptive realities. So prescriptive meaning like uh, a command, a right and wrong way of doing something. Descriptive just meaning what was done, the pattern of what happened, not necessarily how it should or must happen. So praying out loud or silently, I'd put into that descriptive reality. There's a pretty clear pattern of praying audibly in scripture, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong to pray silently. Uh, in antiquity, in the ancient world, everyone prayed out loud. It might have even been seen as strange or suspicious to pray silently for a variety of reasons. And that perception was true within Judaism as well as the first century church. Uh, gradually, that perspective started to shift in favor of silent prayers for, again, a number of reasons, partly because the teaching of Jesus on not praying to be heard, uh, and partly because devout Jews and early Christians resisted the anthropomorphic depictions of 
God with, you know, literal ears who needed to hear a person to know their request. So think of the prophets of Baal uh, in this, this contest on Mount Carmel with Elijah, right? They're screaming and they're shouting and doing all these things. They, you know, everything they can do to get the attention of their God. And Elijah mocks them for this, right? Because uh, God doesn't have literal ears where he needs to audibly hear you to, you know, for you to get his attention. And there's another beautiful story uh, and one that also helped shift the mood around silent prayer in the early church. Uh, it was the story of Hannah, uh, her prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So if you don't know the story, Hannah is, is barren and one day she's weeping uh, uncontrollably outside the temple. Uh, so verse 12 of chapter 1, this is what it says. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, the priest, he observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. So notice that Eli, the priest, thinks because she's praying silently that she might be drunk because people didn't pray silently then. Uh, But also notice that God hears her prayer and does give her a son, Samuel. So it's no small thing to note that Hannah's prayer, her authenticity, her humility, her passion, her trust in God, and her silence have all shaped our uh, notions about prayer today. So way to go, Hannah. (laughs) I love that prayer. Love that prayer in 1 Samuel. Um, So yeah, the question, is it more biblical? I don't think, you know, there's an either or. Luke, you answered this beautifully, but I would say you need to practice both. There are times, especially related to spiritual warfare, when there's power in declaring the name of Jesus out loud. The enemy flees at the mention of his name. Philippians 2, such an incredible passage, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. Well, hey, if you got a question about prayer, just a few weeks left to submit that to us for the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening.